Today's episode of the Watson Weekly Podcast is sponsored by Commerce Tools. The world of commerce is fast-paced and constantly changing. Commerce Tools, the global leader in commerce and creator of the powerfully composable mock architecture, enables commerce leaders to turn possibilities into reality. Commerce Tools helps businesses go from underperforming to overachieving, and from keeping up to setting the pace, all at a lower total cost. Go to commercetools.com to learn how to get started. It's August 28th, 2023, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, how can artificial intelligence help e-commerce? Walmart reports Q2 2024 earnings. Amazon launches a new U.S. shipping program. TikTok takes another firm step towards marketplaces. And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains seven items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first in our shopping cart full of news, how can artificial intelligence help e-commerce? As venture capital money pours into AI, Many people are asking the same question. What is the analogy of AI to generations that have come before it? I'm here to tell you that AI is not a Web3 or Web4 type moment. Instead, the analogy for AI right now is quite simple. AI is automation. AI can help you sell better or more through your existing channels. And AI can help you deliver better or more efficiently through your existing delivery mechanisms. It does not match the revolutionary breakthrough in even these past tidal waves of innovation like the internet, a family of protocols that enabled communication on a vast scale, or like the web, a new specific protocol which led to a new sales channel, i.e. marketplaces and direct-to-consumer, or social media, a new way to communicate with your friends and business partners which became a new sales channel or social media marketing, and mobile. A new form factor for communication, which not only led to a new sales channel, i.e. SMS, but also the application of Moore's Law to computers in your pocket. Headsets will also be in the same bucket when they are ready, but that could be another decade or so. What's AI? Well, even if you don't know the answer, you know what it's not. It's not like any of the above waves. Venture capital is pouring money into this trend should worry about that. In e-commerce, two things are essentially breakthroughs. First is an entirely new sales channel of business. This is a new way to reach your customers like the web or social media. Second is an entirely new delivery mechanism which changes the cost equation by an order of magnitude. Think of what Kindle is to the books category. What's the best analogy I have for AI right now? Something like cloud computing. It's big and important, yes. Incrementally great for everyone, yes, also. Is it revolutionary in the same manner as other revolutions? Let's maybe tap the brakes here for a second. Getting your AI to answer questions for you in a SaaS application? Sure, it's helpful, but the true generational winner in AI will come from a couple of areas. First is the compute and platforms that power the models. The compute and platforms that power the apps that are built on top of the models. And finally, New communication, sales, or support channels built on AI negotiation that were not possible before. And if you don't think AI negotiation isn't coming, then you must not be an Amazon first-party vendor yet. This last point is what most people are focused on right now. 
mostly from a support or client management point of view, but it really needs to move to being a way to sell or deliver and not as a way to support. In my ideal future, there is an army of robot buyers which represent a distinct channel than human buyers. Marketing to this new army of robot buyers will become a new thing too. Sadly, I think in fulfillment and delivery, we are talking about incremental improvement until we invent teleportation. Our second story. Walmart reports Q2 2024 earnings. Last week, Walmart reported their Q2 fiscal 2024 year earnings, and it's hard to overstate how much Walmart crushed this quarter. Here are a few data points, including raised guidance. Simply, they're doing what they said they would be doing, and the business is doing better than previous expectations, and the upside is great. This reminds me of listening to a Target earnings call about four years ago. Overall Q2 results. Consolidating revenue of $161.6 billion, which is up 5.7% year over year. Consolidated operating income up $0.5 billion, or 6.7%. The global advertising business grew approximately 35% and the number of advertisers grew 60% year over year. The company is pulling forward ROI improvements from fiscal year 2025 into this year. The U.S. business's Q2 results include Walmart U.S. comparable sales were up 6.4%. E-commerce in the U.S. was up 24%, which is led by pickup and delivery. Their operating margin was at 5.5%, which is up from 5.4% last year. And Walmart is now shipping more than 50% of its digital orders from stores. The fact that Target ships well over 90% of its order from stores is actually a potential tailwind and expansion opportunity for Walmart. Walmart Connect advertising sales grew 36% in the United States, and Walmart has doubled its advertising business in just two years. On the marketplace front, Walmart's marketplace increased its item count over four times since last year. The number of marketplace customers increased 14% in Q2, and fulfillment services adoption is up 50% since last year. Walmart Online experienced strong traffic demonstrated by their weekly active digital users being up 20%. As far as the category breakdown, general merchandise declined mid-single digits. Grocery inflation moderated 700 basis points year-over-year and 400 basis points quarter-over-quarter, but is still up 20% on a two-year stack. In my mind, this means consumers are still being affected. On the operations side, U.S. inventory declined 8% with higher in-stock levels. 15% of stores are now served by an automated regional distribution center facility, and these facilities are efficient by over 30% on a units-per-hour basis. There's huge upside here given that the penetration across their DCs is only 15% right now. On the grocery front, Walmart disclosed that it's gaining share from other competitors, which should worry companies like Amazon that are still trying to figure out grocery. Private label grocery products were up 9% year-over-year as Walmart reported customers trading down to private labels. Many people ask me all the time, what's the state of the consumer in the U.S. as it pertains to retail? Consumer spend seems to be shifting from other categories to grocery and health and wellness. Consumers aren't compromising on holiday seasons, and back-to-school started out strong, which is a strong holiday predictor. Walmart is growing its category share across all demographics, continuing a trend for the past five or six quarters. Discretionary and household budgets are pressured, and there is a drawdown in consumer savings. 
And I did think that it was interesting that Walmart noted its Canadian customers were feeling a pinch in interest rates faster than the U.S. customers, primarily because of lower mortgage durations. And Walmart also updated its fiscal year 2024 guidance. Here are a few details from that. Walmart increased its full-year guidance and sales expectations, which is a great achievement in this economy, but overall, the company still remains cautious. Walmart predicts net sales growth of 4.5% and operating income growth of 7.5%. Inflation does seem slightly lower than last year, but it's still stubborn. And wrapping up this segment, here are a few takeaways. First, Amazon should be terrified of Walmart and grocery. It's the leader in the U.S. in grocery versus the gang that can't shoot straight. Inflation is still elevated but moderated. Their cautious outlooks for second half, I think that's smart for discretionary categories. Inflation is still elevated, but it's somewhat moderated. Any kind of cautious outlooks for the second half of the year are smart in discretionary categories. In the second half of the year, Walmart and off-price formats will likely continue to make significant market share gains. And the results speak for themselves. Sometimes all you need to do is point to the scoreboard to see how a company is performing, and this was one of those quarters for Walmart. Our third story. Amazon launches a U.S. shipping program. Business Insider and the Wall Street Journal report that Amazon is kind of restarting an independent multi-channel shipping service that competes with both FedEx and UPS. Here are a few details. It's going to launch within the United States and will not include U.S. outbound to other countries. Sellers who ship from their own warehouse can choose Amazon as a carrier. Amazon had previously started this service in 2018 as a beta, and then during the lockdown of the pandemic, given the surge in volume, this experiment was put on the back burner. And this marks six countries now where Amazon has an independent shipping service, including France, Spain, India, UK, Italy, and now the United States. Anytime Amazon does something in the market, it pays to take note of it. The competitive dynamics are tough in the market right now. There is more supply than demand, and there are more 3PL facilities than demand, and more services than demand. To me, this speaks to a market consolidation that could happen where bigger players gain share. Remember, Amazon doesn't operate a truly independent shipping service. It's a retail marketplace with guaranteed volume that operates as a shipping service of which it is able to offer infrastructure to others at a marginal cost. That still sounds like a long-term winning formula to me. The elephant in the room with Amazon from a transportation point of view is always trust. However, want to know what the antidote of trust is? Rates, service levels, and patience. Three things that many companies don't have, but Amazon generally has in abundance. Don't trust Amazon today? They're usually content to keep doing what they're doing and wait it out. In truth, I expect more from Amazon in supply chain services, a lot more. I expect Amazon to sell every level of its transportation network, end-to-end, middle mile, and last mile. And that's just what you do with fixed assets, and it's been Amazon's playbook for 20 years now since they opened their marketplace in the first place. And finally, the trust question is a trickier one, but I do believe there's a long-term solution here. And our last story. TikTok takes another firm step towards a marketplace. If you've been syndicating your products to TikTok and have the TikTok Pixel installed on your storefront, you must make some changes by mid-September because TikTok has sunset its storefront offering. If TikTok storefront is not familiar to you, then let me explain. 
TikTok Storefront is a service which previously allowed you to put your e-commerce product catalog on TikTok so you can reference it in your videos. And your buyer would purchase by clicking through to your e-commerce site. Now, after September 13th, this will be sunset in favor of TikTok Shop, which requires the buyer to check out on the TikTok app itself. In news I originally missed, TikTok has decided to go a different way than Meta in e-commerce. Historically, social media sites like Instagram have offered two ways for creators and influencers to sell products through their social media platforms. The traditional way is for creators to link back to their e-commerce storefronts. This requires the installation of a pixel at checkout time for the social media site to understand if the initial click resulted in a sale. The second way is to push buyers to check out through a shop like Instagram Shop or TikTok Shop, which is on-platform. Notably, the TikTok Shop payment methods include Apple Pay, PayPal, Klarna, and regular credit cards via its integration to Stripe. First, let's get this out of the way. This is not about TikTok competing with Shopify, despite the lack of shop pay here, which I'm sure the Shopify team would love to remedy as soon as possible. There'll be many ways, and at least two I can find without much trouble, to connect TikTok shop to Shopify to import your orders into your current Shopify e-commerce store. Shopify, or really any other e-commerce platform, is not threatened by the launch of a new marketplace, except perhaps in the smallest entrepreneur segment. To suggest otherwise would predict the demise of direct-to-consumer e-commerce, which is still growing two to three times faster than retail store volume. Let's maybe tap the brakes here. This is more, instead, about removing all purchase friction on TikTok such that it can follow the ByteDance GMV growth trajectory in China, which the information a news outlet has reported is growing 80% year-over-year and reached over $200 billion in the last year in China. Essentially, what I see happening here is a bold move from TikTok. The reason it's bold is that Meta never had the commitment, guts, or whatever you want to call it, to actually implement this on their properties, preferring instead to give creators the option to either link off or transact on-site. As a business move, I like TikTok's approach because it kind of creates a burn-the-boats moment. If there is a buyer friction, then there are no excuses and the product team is forced to iterate and improve rather than tell people to link off to an e-commerce store. This should lead to more e-commerce innovation from TikTok going forward. Given the influence of TikTok on the other retailers like Amazon, like check out Prime Day, this might be something to keep an eye on. Make no mistake, TikTok is courting Chinese influencers and sellers to American consumers, and around 40 to 70% of Amazon sellers, depending on who you listen to, are Chinese. This also explains TikTok's logistics plans. It's likely more for foreign than domestic sellers. Hey, Watsonians, this is Rick. If you haven't joined other listeners in our online community, you're only getting half the value from this podcast. Our community contains members from all around the world discussing the most interesting topics we cover on the show. You can join the conversation now at community.rmwcommerce.com today. Now a word from our sponsor, Commerce Tools. When a multi-billion dollar beauty brand's e-commerce platform neared the end of its life, the entire business was at risk, including the ability to serve customers. By switching to Commerce Tools and embracing a more flexible mock architecture, the retailer's vision for connecting in-store and personalized shopping experiences became a reality. The brand can now roll out new features within days, securing its position as a modern brand that uses technology to its advantage. If you're being held hostage by your technology platform and your developers have thrown up their hands, tell them to start a free trial at commercetools.com today. 
It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have seven items on the menu today. First, Tapestry to acquire fashion holding company Capri Holdings for $8.5 billion. Tapestry now becomes a viable competitor to LVMH and Caring as it becomes the largest fashion conglomerate in the U.S. for U.S. brands. Sorry, PVH, you are now second place in the U.S. fashion market. Second, resale as a service platform Trove secures a $30 million Series E. Trove powers branded resale and trade-in for Canada Goose, Lululemon, Patagonia, Allbirds, and more, and secured additional capital by raising a Series E. The new funding will be used for logistics expansion and to add new brands and verticals. Third, fashion sourcing platform Inseam raises $2 million. Inseam, a fashion sourcing platform for stylists and personal shoppers, has raised $2 million in pre-seed funding, which will be used to hire staff and to further build its technology. This sector looks like an opportunity, yet a lot of startups have actually launched and quietly closed. Fourth, Hero Digital merges with Avianos. Hero Digital has acquired Avianos to create a Salesforce and Adobe powerhouse that helps enterprise customers and brands in the B2C and B2B sectors. Fifth, Micmac acquires ChannelVisor's shoppable media and brand analytics platform from Commerce Hub. Micmac, a commerce enabler product manufacturers and CPG companies, has acquired ChannelVisor's shoppable media and analytics platform from Commerce Hub. Commerce Hub is streamlining ChannelVisor and has signed a strategic partnership agreement with Micmac. Six, Grove Collaborative raises $10 million and announces management changes. Grove Collaborative, a certified B Corp that sells sustainable consumer products, raised $10 million and has hired a new CEO and added a new independent director. And finally, 3PL and Fulfillment Solution platform ShipCom raises $2 million. ShipCom, a 3PL and third-party operations analytics platform, has received $2 million from Montage Capital, which will be used to enter new markets and new customers and hire more staff. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by Jose Baez, production manager, Gabriela Montaqui. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.